Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Rod Milam. Earlier this month, the Barbershop Chorus, based in St. Charles, won its fifth international championship with its performance of Dolly Parton's classic 9 to 5. St. Louis on the Air producer Danny Wisentowski has that story. In Louisville, Kentucky, 113 singers face the judges of the Barbershop Harmony Society. Their group is called the Ambassadors of Harmony, and today, the members are dressed for their many, many vocal parts. They're wearing medical scrubs, business suits, hard hats, and sports jerseys. They're dressed as priests and plumbers and pilots and cowboys and chefs. And in the front, three performers are wrapped in blankets and are just waking up to their alarms. See, for the ambassadors of Harmony, it's time to get up and go to work. That was the Ambassadors of Harmony performing Dolly Parton's 9 to 5 during the 85th International Barbershop Harmony Society Convention earlier this month. It's a performance, I should add, that took home the gold medal. And to talk about that win, we have the co-directors of Ambassadors of Harmony, Jim Henry, who has led the chorus since 1990 and who is also the head of choral studies at the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Jim, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for inviting us. And we also have with us Johnny Maroney, who led the chorus's baritone section before being named co-director in 2013. Johnny, thank you for being here. Again, thank you for having us. An honor. Oh my goodness, this performance. Jim, Give us a sense of what people in the audience would have seen and what folks can see on the video of this that we'll have on our website. Just set set the stage for us. Well, you said it pretty well. I mean, uh, we, we decided that we were going to do this song. It's a very iconic song, but that we would write some parody lyrics to it. And so it opens with three people who are in bed. Uh, however, they're upright. <laughs> and uh, yes, the alarms go off. They wake up. One gets some coffee, another jumps in the shower, and within about two seconds comes back out fully dressed. Uh, one gets on the subway and drives away. They all get uh, roll. All those platforms get rolled away, and you see the whole chorus just dressed, as you say, in all these different yeah. uh, occupational garbs. And there's there's so much movement, and of course there's so much singing, so many yes. layers of singing. Johnny, just what is it like being on that stage? 
it's uh, obviously at the international level is is the culmination of everything that we do from within the barbershop organization is where everybody heads to it's the it's the biggest event of the year for us so uh, everybody's always kind of anticipating what the I say an ensemble like the ambassadors will bring we're one of the larger ensembles with a hundred and took just shy of 115 guys so it does award us the opportunity to have lots of movement lots of motion front row choreography platforms moving on and off while we still have a large subset of guys that are still able to sing and perform musically behind the scenes as all of this activity is taking place. Wow. Now, we're going to keep talking about this performance and all the various pictures, but I want to take a step back and just kind of understand what is barbershop? What is this style? Um, Jim, give us some basics here. Um, I keep wanting to say barbershop quartet, but 113 people is just a few more than four. Yes. Uh, is this still <laughs> barbershop when you have a stage filled with that many people? Yes, it's it's more for us about the style of music that we sing, the chord structures and the voicing, a lot of things that are very iconic to what we might consider the barbershop style. Uh, barbershop started, we you know, there's there's certainly no, we have, have no idea, there was no exact date, but uh, we do know that it really is a product of the African-American musical heritage. As a matter of fact, my dissertation was on the African-American origins of barbershop harmony. Uh, and then later it was uh, kind of stolen, as many of these, thing, these things were, uh, performed in minstrel shows and vaudeville shows and things like that. The earliest recording artists were usually close harmony or barbershop quartets. Uh, they were like the Beatles of their day. Uh, and uh, But it's a four-part a cappella style of singing with a melody in the second voice down, which makes it kind of unusual. There's actually a harmony part above. And it has, you know, chord structures and things like that that when you hear it, you know that's kind of a barbershop sound. Now, is it is it still a barbershop quartet if the number of people singing it couldn't fit into any barbershop that I've ever been in? Certainly, what, that that word that that hangs around. What what flavor does that give to this style? What does barbershop mean? Well, I think for a lot of people. The word barbershop, or when we're talking about barbershop music, it definitely conveys uh, an image of four guys, sort of a Norman Rockwell Saturday Evening Post cover of four guys uh, in a barbershop uh, singing. Uh, and the truth is, that did kind of happen. That is sort of where a lot of that happened, except it was in black barbershops and bars and street corners and lots of different places. Uh, and, you know, it was dying out in the, in the 30s. Obviously, it was really an old style then. But but a couple guys in Tulsa, Oklahoma, decided that they loved barbershop. They grew up singing it, and they wanted to start an organization to preserve this style of music. Well, that happened in 1938, and we're still a part of that organization today. The organization started with only quartets, uh, and then choruses came along. So we now have barbershop choruses and barbershop quartets. And it's not just men. Uh, barbershop Harmony Society is open to everyone. There are also groups that are dedicated just to women's barbershop. There are groups all over the world um, who sing barbershop now. So it's a worldwide phenomenon. Wow. And Johnny, you know, this... Like, you know, like Jim was describing, a very traditional uh, kind of form of singing and one that when we envision it, Four sta very stationary singers. <laughs> the choreography, though, on this performance um, that you worked on is so, you know, it's it's moving, uh, obviously, and figuratively, literally, but there are so many jokes layered, and there's so much happening while all of these folks are singing and doing this incredible, complicated, 
you know, vocal dance. Um, how, what do you bring to that choreography? And is it difficult to balance two very challenging forms of art? Yeah, I mean, that's a really, really good point. And, and I'd say we're been, we've been fortunate and blessed within the ambassadors that most of the choreography that we come up with is in-house. I mean, even even Jimmy and myself, and along with my brother Blake, have probably, I say, come up with and created and developed the choreography for our last several contest sets. And you're absolutely correct. We walk this very fine balance of too much choreography where all of a sudden it sacrifices the integrity of the singing and then we got to find maybe that's maybe too many moves or that's that's making our bodies shake up and down and causing our voice so what we have found is a lot of our really great dancers are also our really great singers you know they're kind of the triple threat sort of a of component there so um we again it's a great example of the balance that we have to find where there's sometimes we have a fantastic you know singer or subset of singers and we say man we really want their voices so maybe we need to put them on the riser too or three and maybe bring a couple of those other guys down that are maybe a little bit more acrobatic so it is it's certainly a balancing and a dancing act in and of itself to make sure we've got the right players in the positions on the field now jim you uh, the group and you are doing events all year round when did the planning for this production the one that just has won you the gold medal of nine to five when did that start and, and was there an inciting inspiration where did that happen <laughs> well um yes we started probably in the fall of last year, and all of the best ideas that our chorus has ever had <laughs> have come from a place called Pio's in St. Charles. P-I-O apostrophe S. We'll do a shout out yeah, to great people pizza. at Pio's. Great pizza, Pio's. And, uh, but after our rehearsal, that's where we go for pizza and beer and just to unwind and kind of have an afterglow. And uh, I think just because we've had a rehearsal, we're all calming down, probably having a little bit to drink, all of a sudden our <laughs> our minds are very fertile at that moment. Wow. And so, uh, you know, we have, some people might find we did a big 76 trombone set. We did a set where we were in completely grayscale, uh, all of these things. And of course, this one, uh, one of the, a wife of one of the members, um, Isabel, shout out to Isabel Vandenberg. True. She was the one who thought that this would be a great song for us to do, and she was absolutely right. And we sat around in POs and talked through how we might make it work, how it could be staged, et cetera, et cetera. So that's that's where we do it. <laughs> Let's listen to a bit more of this gold medal winning performance. That's again of Dolly Parton's classic Nine to Five with some updated lyrics. And this was performed <laughs> by the Ambassadors of Harmony earlier this month. And just to describe this choreography, our clip opens with the costume singers hauling out a toilet. Sometimes we need sanctuary too. Hey, the kitchen 
is hot and the pots are steaming, diners gripe and lobsters screaming, even worse our sous chef has the flu. And nine to five, trying to avoid damnation, there's a better life. Not a tasty crustacean, it's a rich man's game, but the ambition once again, we're not counting PhDs in composition. That was Ambassadors of Harmony with their championship-winning performance of Dolly Parton's 9 to 5 on July and 8th. And I, I just have to say, Temptation Crustacean, I mean, that's, that's, a that's, good rhyme. that's just the side of genius. Oh my genius. gosh, I'm writing to the Pulitzers now. <laughs> now, we, today we're talking about the Ambassadors of Harmony. They're a barbershop chorus group that just won a gold medal for their performance of 9 to 5. We're talking with the two co-directors of this chorus, Jim Henry and Johnny Maroney. Jim, there's something that our listeners might have picked up on. a recurring <laughs> bit uh, in this version of 9 to 5, and the repetition that they're not looking or perhaps do not consider a PhD position in composition the same as work. And this is actually <laughs> a bit about you, because you, on this stage, are wearing a professorial gown and uh, a, a hat of a square proportion that one would think is a, a professor's hat. And you, uh, as these lyrics come around, as they just remind folks that they're not looking for a PhD in composition, you slam your binder down in outrage as you as you take this insult. But this was actually a bit of fun and, and kind of a respect for your PhD in composition and what you've done in this area. So walk us through this bit and, and why it was in, in good fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, it was definitely a dig at me, uh, but um, uh, I think a lot of people, you know, our, our chorus has become pretty pretty popular in the in the barbershop harmony society, and uh, I'm often introduced as Dr. Jim Henry, and so everybody knows that. So uh, yeah, they they we decided just to take a few digs at me and my job, and how maybe that's not really you know <laughs> the most important stressful job anybody could have, which I suppose is true. But those were actually my own personal problems professorial robes bought to me bought for me by my grandmother when I <laughs> when I got my PhD so <laughs> is there you know to, to teach this kind of thing is is there still a way to, to have that spontaneity to have that that kind of vocal fun but still being part of this group and having to follow some pretty strict kind of boundaries around what you're singing and, and where you're moving uh, Jim well the one thing I'd like to say is that every singer that you see um, in that video is uh, only maybe five or less make any sort of living related to music, maybe as music teachers or something like that. These are people who do many other things, just as the song says. None of them are being paid. These are all people who uh, are doing this just for the love of it. And so uh, that sense of um, excitement and enthusiasm it's just there. You have to be a certain kind of a person who would like to give up your Thursday evenings and weekends, you know, several weekends sometimes, and travel to contests and things like that for no money whatsoever. Uh, so the guys that we have are people who are there because they just love it. And it's a big family organization, too. We try to involve the family, and it becomes a, a very strong uh, fraternity of, of people. I think we always say the music brings people in, uh, but the fraternity and the fellowship is what keeps everybody there. So with this group, it's very difficult 
to uh, to not. Uh, I would say it's not at all difficult to maintain enthusiasm with a group of guys like we, Johnny and I, have the honor of standing in front of. Johnny, does that speak true to you? I mean, very much so. I mean, I joined I joined this ensemble when I was 15 years old. You know, so when I when I came in, it was like having a 120 dads looking out for me. And 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 I think Jimmy said it perfectly is that. I loved it because of the singing, but I've fallen in love with it, and it's become such an integral part of my life because of the character of of the members and the ensemble and their families and just the value it brings to, I say, my personal life, which I think trickles to the rest of the chorus as well. So quite a community. It's, it's uh, I say, we collectively have developed over the years. And there are a lot of first, second, and third generation singers. Um, a lot of young people joined. Johnny was 15. I was 11 when I joined the chorus. Wow. So, you know, a lot of us have grown up doing this. That's amazing. And, yeah. you know, on that on that subject of the kind of community you're building, you know, I should note, you know, this is not the first championship gold medal that the Ambassadors of Harmony have won, has won. It was the first, though, for Joel Courier. And for many years, Joel worked as a crime and courts reporter for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And in 2004, when Joel was just starting out there as an intern, he was assigned to cover a story that should sound pretty familiar, a championship-winning performance by the Ambassadors of Harmony in Louisville, Kentucky. And here's what Joel told me. So when I went to hear this chorus sing at the Foundry Art Center in St. Charles, I was blown away. Uh, I couldn't believe my ears. The sound was powerful. Um, it was beautiful, and I was like, if I ever come back to St. Louis, I'm going to try out for this chorus. And so after that internship ended, I went back to grad school, finished up there, returned to St. Louis, and ended up getting a job at the paper. And a few months later, I decided, okay, I'm going to go try out for this chorus. Tried out, got in. I, was, I felt great. It was fantastic. I was really having a great time. And during one of the rehearsals, I met a woman there. Uh, her name is Kate. And um, her dad was a member of the chorus, a longtime member. And that's why she was there, just to visit her dad. And so we started chatting, and um, we got to know each other. And over time, we got closer. And eventually, several years later, we got married. Uh, so I met the person who had become my wife at a rehearsal. And uh, eventually, we had some children together, and we've started a family here in St. Louis. And I'm still a member of the chorus, and it's a huge part of my life. That was Ambassadors of Harmony member Joel Courier, who I spoke to last week about the recent championship and about how the group Ambassadors of Harmony impacted his life in so many ways. Jim, I'm, I'm wondering what your what your takeaway from Joel's remark was that this group, which is it's about singing, it's about performance, but it's got people's lives in it. It's got <laughs> yes. these wonderful connections, and you know, Joel wouldn't be here in no. St. Louis in the way without this group. How does that feel for you? Uh, it it first of all, I've got a smile you know, from ear to ear. I love Joel and I love that story. Uh, but it's a very common story. Now, Joel's talking about a contest we won in Louisville, Kentucky, as you said, but that was in 2004. Uh, so that was our very first international championship. But so many of us could tell you stories that how barbershop uh, is responsible for our children, our wives, everything else. I met my wife through Barbershop. Johnny met his Same. wife through ba Barbershop. <laughs> we all have kids, and there are many, many uh, stories that are similar to Joel's, and I think that's part of the magic of it. It really is just such a beautiful community of people. Now, this this win, you know, that this is your fifth now. Yes. Know? Is there something special about this one or one that, that's already, you know, kind of as, as you try to distinguish between the other ones or a piece of their performance that stands out to you? What, what kind of rises to your mind? Well, for me, and, and Johnny may answer differently, for me, it was really special 
because it was our first win post-COVID. And COVID was such a trying time for not only our chorus, but every musical ensemble in the world. Uh, And the things that, as I look back, that we tried to do over those two years to somehow maintain a connection with one another, even though we couldn't rehearse together, uh, and then to sort of come out of it um, (laughs) slowly and in different stages, uh, and then to f- actually grow back to the number that we were able to grow to, to go to the international competition this year and sort of pick off, pick up where we left off. Uh, it w- That was very, very special. It really was emotional because it was sort of like, okay, at least in this one way, <laughs> life is starting to feel a little bit more normal. Johnny, t- talk talk to us about that. What what happened during COVID? Well, man, well, it, it, we went through many iterations, as Jimmy said, of just trying to stay connected because obviously, you know, they said one of the most dangerous ways of, you know, contracting the virus would be through singing since it's such a respiratory thing. You're breathing, you're spitting and all these things. So we tried to come up with all sorts of creative ways to keep the, the course connected. It, it originally started just with doing simple Zoom sessions, which is very difficult to sing or anything like that. So we would just get together and talk and play videos and just try to stay engaged. And and over time, we just saw a little bit of burnout from that. So we're like, okay, how can we reinvent this? So we found pieces of software that would minimize latency in, in being able to sing. So we tried to connect and actually do virtual rehearsals with singing, but it was all this software and laptops and technology. And so we braved through that. And then probably one of the most unique things we did is we actually used an FM transmitter and we would meet in a parking lot. We would run about 50 literally cables, microphone cables into a board, would run them out into individual cars, roll their windows down, hand them a microphone, and they would turn their radio station to a specific channel. So everybody would be singing into their microphone in their own individual isolated car. All of that would go into a soundboard, and we would pipe that audio out via FM transmitter to their car so they could hear the chorus real time in like surround sound format. (laughs) While Johnny and I stood on platforms in front of the cars. In freezing cars. Directing. 25 degree weather. Oh so my gosh. It, and then obviously after we kind of graduated and things started to, to somewhat normalize, then we started to stand outside on a hillside wearing masks, saying socially distanced. So we had to get very creative through those years. And so I agree with Jimmy, being able to come back with the numbers that we used to have and just the energy and excitement and go win the gold medal was really icing on the cake over That's the past amazing. couple of years. What, what lengths you had to go to with a radio setup. I don't know if, if, our, if you've impressed our audio engineer or given him a panic attack <laughs> with that description. Well, I'm getting a little bit of post-traumatic <laughs> <laughs> because that was a time I certainly hope we never have to go back to. So let me, you know, in our last you know, minute or so, I wanted to also just ask about the selection of 9 to 5, a Dolly Parton song that I think everyone can hum along with and pick up even the new lyrics. And, you know, when I asked Joel Courier, he's the, the member of Ambassadors of Harmony, who I talked with last week, and I asked him about that selection. And, you know, he talked about how he, he talked about the pandemic and how that song really has a connection to people trying to find different jobs, the great resignation and trying to survive to stay alive, that lyric, you know, is there is there a connection between what you all had to go through during the pandemic and, and this song? I had not thought about it that way, but I think definitely that's true. And I'm not surprised that Joel had that take <laughs> on it. But uh, that's, yeah, I definitely think that that's true, that that idea of individuals working hard to try to just make ends meet, to try to connect with other people and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you know, we were going for laughs at the beginning, but 
the ballad, we also sang a beautiful ballad right after that that Johnny directed beautifully uh, from the musical Big, and it's called Stop Time. And it's sort of like it began, David started with an intro about how the five o'clock whistle goes off, we all get to go home. And as it turns out, we're excited to go home to see our son. And then it talks about each stage of the son's life and how we wish we could stop time when they're two months old, two, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, all those beautiful moments. So that especially was a was a really poignant turnaround from the laughs that we had at the first one to this very melancholy, but also just human experience, sweet ballad. Yeah. I guess lastly, you know, Johnny, I'm curious, is what are you thinking about for next year? Oh, man. Well, this is, you know, we usually take uh, about 30 days off to decompress because we had tons of rehearsals, travels, all that things. But it, again, just in typical fashion, we'll probably get back to rehearsing and in preparation for our annual Christmas show, uh, which takes place in the second week in December. So we hope and people... And our gospel show. And we've got our gospel show coming up. And so we'll probably start rehearsing and then head right back to P.O.'s and start coming up <laughs> with the next creative ideas for the future. Once you win, you have to lay out two years so we won't be competing for another two years however we're expected to go back next year with a they call it a swan song package where you sing one more time as champions before you give the trophy away right so so no no dynasty but you will be feted as as champions as you deserve yes there you go (laughs) yeah That was Jim Henry and Johnny Maroney. They are the co-directors of the championship-winning barbershop course, The Ambassadors of Harmony. They spoke to St. Louis on the Air producer, Danny Wisentowski. This episode was produced by Danny Wisentowski. With audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Doerr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.